What's up, guys? This is Mad Mork coming to you live from... I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm from, because guess what? That's the point of this podcast. If you remember the last podcast that we did a little while ago, I talked to you about Hasta La Vista, Silicon Valley, and all about why I was leaving Silicon Valley, some of the decisions that I had to make, the process, my thought process into terms of what went into making a decision where I was leaving basically everything I knew my friends, my network, leaving that all behind to make you know a new home in a new country some 8,000 miles away. So the purpose of this podcast really is to tell you guys finally where I ended up. And then, of course, more importantly, how am I dealing with all this massive change? How am I dealing with living in a new country, a new language, and a completely new culture? So anyway, the purpose of this podcast is to capture all that stuff. But more importantly, it's also to be able to talk about something that's I've become very passionate about and something which is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our reality as human beings, which is the process of change. And for some of us, change can be downright freaking scary, right? It's like whether it's changing our jobs, whether it's changing our relationships, whether it's making changes in our lifestyle or changes in our health or our workouts or other habits, change is pretty freaking scary. And I get that. One of the biggest changes, of course, that you can make as a human being is changing where you live, right? To think about it. I mean, you're changing countries, potentially you're changing cities, you're maybe changing schools for your kids, you're changing jobs potentially, right? But when you change the place where you live, uh, that can have a massive impact. And so the purpose of the podcast really is to talk about where I ended up, but more importantly, it's how am I dealing with all this massive change? So, you know, the last podcast, I obviously left you on this cliffhanger, which is like, I made this huge decision. I'm going to leave Silicon Valley after 10 years of living there and 10 years working in tech and marketing and in startups and in Google. And it's like, what am I thinking? Why am I doing all this? And like, certainly, look, I'll be honest, man, everybody that I knew, my parents, my best friends, everybody without exception was like, you are fucking crazy. Okay. You're nuts. This is an extreme decision. Moving 8,000 miles away is, is, is completely ludicrous and you're leaving behind basically everything that you've known and everything you've built uh, to go off on a new adventure. And obviously when I talked about it last time, I did have a very good reason, right? If you remember my last podcast and the last time I talked about this, the main reason why I, I decided to make the move is, of course, you know, my wife, uh, ex-wife, well, we're separated, so it's kind of complicated, but she basically um, is from Chile and she wanted to move back here and she thought it would be best for the kids and best for us. And kind of after 10 years of working in startup land and working uh, in the valley, you know, the, the stress and the pressures of living there kind of, I think, were, were grinding away on all of us. So, you know, if it wasn't kind of obvious from the comment that I just made or some of the pictures on my blog, I moved 8,000 miles away to Santiago, Chile. Yep. Chile, that's about the farthest place south that I could move from uh, Silicon Valley unless I was going to, uh, you know, the South Pole, right? So it is it is pretty damn far. Um, and it was funny because actually when I wrote the post on this uh, a week ago, I was actually writing the post from Starbucks, which fortunately, like Starbucks is all over the world. So there is kind of a little bit of Silicon Valley that's with me as I live here because, you know, the Starbucks kind of look, like the look and feel of each one of them is not too dissimilar from the ones I was in, in in Silicon Valley when I was working there. So, you know, Chile, wow, yeah, that's, um, 
it's been a big move. I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. It's uh, it's an amazing place. You know, it's obviously the land of, you know, Easter Island and the Atacama Desert and, you know, glaciers and amazing wines. And it's also, fun fact, um, the lithium capital of the world. That's right, folks. I mean, if it wasn't for Chile, you could probably kiss those pretty smartphones goodbye that you're using because more than 50% of the lithium batteries that go into those smartphones uh, actually, the lithium comes from Chile. So that's kind of like a smart fact that I thought I'd share with you guys because, I don't know, it's fun. It's it's just something different. So, uh, you know, why Chile? Well, you know, I alluded to that a little while ago when I talked about my, uh, my relationship with my ex and, and everything. Uh, and obviously for me, the main thing as, as a father, right, and, and honoring my values, and I've talked a lot about my values in, in other podcasts, um, was that really I wanted to continue to you know, live up to my value of being a good father, right? And being a good father is not just being a, a mentor and coach and, and helping those around me and helping my clients and those I work with. More importantly, it's being a good dad to, to my kids, right? So that was the primary value that drove my decision to follow my, my ex uh, and move here. But there are a lot of other things about, you know, Chile, which, um, you know, have obviously been a positive, you know, for me as I contemplated this change. And particularly when I thought about, you know, my life in Silicon Valley and, and what that had been like, uh, it became a no brainer for me that I needed to make a change and I needed to move somewhere where quality of life was better, the pressure uh, and the um, grind, so to speak, were not as pronounced. Uh, and there was a better chance for me to have some sort of a work-life balance that I was happy with, right? Now, you know, the weird thing, of course, is, you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, I, I've been fortunate uh, to have lived in 11 different countries over the course of my life, right? Which, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. It's, you know, on average, kind of like one country every four years, right? Um, over the course of the 46 years that I've been alive. And, and, you know, I actually lived in Chile uh, from 1996 to 1999, uh, back in the beginning of my career when I worked for Pepsi. So I, I started my career working in the soft drink industry. And so fortunately for me, you know, the move was uh, pretty uh, intense and pretty difficult and jarring, but maybe not as bad as it would be for somebody who's never lived outside the United States or, or who has never moved to a country where, you know, they, they are all of a sudden living in, and working in a completely different language and a completely different culture, right? So um, granted, it was far from me. Granted, it's been a big change. Granted, I've had to, you know, I'm in the process of making new friends and figuring out what I want to do next. And, you know, that's probably going to be the topic of my next pod podcast is what am I doing next, right? What From a job perspective. But, you know, I, I, I fortunately, I spoke the language I've lived here. I was somewhat familiar with the culture and the way of doing things. And so it hasn't been a complete shock, right? Um, and so, you know, there's also the fact that, you know, although although uh, my ex and I don't live together anymore and we haven't for the last couple of years, we're still legally married, right? So for me, the, the fact that I was coming here made it easier from a legal perspective because I could get a visa, um, you know, as, as somebody who was born to a Chilean. And that, of course, makes the entire process easier, right? So, you know, as crazy as it may have sounded to some people, oh, my God, you're moving 8,000 miles away. Oh, my God, you're moving to, you know, the ass end of the of the world. Um, there was some kind of like method to my madness, right? It wasn't completely all nuts. Um, one thing to think about, which, which uh, I think is worth sharing with you guys as well, is kind of like, you know, the reality is kind of, 
there's always this thing about like, is it better to be, you know, a, a, a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? And, and definitely when you, when you have kind of like unique experiences and you've done things um, in the way that I have, and I've been, you know, blessed and fortunate for the experience to, to live and work in the Valley for so long, you know, you also come to the realization that as amazing as living in a place like the Valley is, you can potentially have far more impact in a, in a much smaller pond, so to speak, right? It's like when I moved here, one of the things that was very apparent to me over the last couple of months of living here is like there aren't a lot of people who work in tech, right? There just aren't. There aren't a lot of people who have worked in startups or who have worked in Google or who have lived and worked in 11 different countries and have seen the kind of things that I have seen. And that's not to say that I'm like so wonderful. And as you guys know from my posts and my podcasts, I'm you know, very, very self-deprecating and very aware of like my, my, my flaws and, and my areas of improvement. Right. And those are things that I'm working on every day. But the point is kind of like, I also realized moving here that I could have potentially a really big impact on people here. I could really do something special in terms of sharing my experiences, sharing what I've done, sharing what I've seen. And more importantly, you know, sharing some of the mistakes, some of the many mistakes that I've made in the hope that people will hopefully learn from them. And better yet, and this may be a little bit, you know, naive, um, better yet that they may be able to avoid some of those mistakes, uh, because I think that's definitely, you know, one of my goals is to help, you know, people better prepare for massive change by figuring out how to do it in the right way as opposed to the wrong way. And by also kind of like providing people with tools and processes that they can use when they're making these changes, right? So, um, you know, the, the weird thing is when you work in a place like the Valley or you work in London or New York, right? I mean, one of the things that we forget is that we're surrounded in many cases by so many talented and amazing people. Uh, and we take that for granted when we live in these places, right? And it's cool from the point of view that, you know, when you're surrounded by these amazing people uh, and so much talent and people who are working hard and doing incredible things, yes, it does kind of like push you to the extreme of your ability and it just kind of like force you to up-level your game and to become better at what you are doing, right? And to strive to be the best and to be continuously learning. Um, but on the flip side of that is that there's also a risk that it's after some time it burns you out, right? The reality is kind of like what I found, at least in the Valley, is that, you know, you work so hard and so intensely and you're so focused and you basically live on this track of like work, 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 that, you know, there is a strong risk of burnout because you basically don't do anything else, right? And so for me, at least, the challenge was kind of like, how do I find some sort of a better balance? How do I um, live my life in such a way that I can be a good father, that I can stay healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually, and that I can also have a career that I enjoy and that I love, right? I think most people tend to believe that, you know, these are not mutually exclusive, that if you, you know, work your butt off and you build a company or you're an amazing musician or whatever, that it means that you can't have the rest. And so they use that as an excuse and they sacrifice everything. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because, you know, I, I watch uh, every day I, I, I watch this. Uh, I watch an amazing uh video channel called impact theory which i subscribe to which is uh created by call a guy called tom bilieu who's a relatively well-known entrepreneur and speaker and he interviews like some of the world's most amazing people and, and so for any of you guys who are interested in this 
and who are interested in kind of like self-improvement and get ahead, getting ahead and being the best and want to be inspired. I mean, Impact Theory is a fantastic channel and I highly recommend that you subscribe to it. And he was interviewing uh, a very famous guy, a uh, Chinese entrepreneur in BC uh, called Kai-Fu Lee. And one of the things that Kai-Fu Lee talks about is exactly this problem, right? Is the fact that he spent so much of his career just kind of like focusing on his career and building his, his VC business and his investment, you know, expertise and becoming a world renowned speaker on AI that, uh, you know, eventually he got cancer and it was life threatening. And, and, you know, it was something that, uh, it could have potentially have killed him. And it was only through that realization that kind of like near death experience that he realized that he needed to have a better balance in his life. Right. And so, when I look at that video and I listen to his story of somebody who's been so amazing and so successful, um, I realize that the mistake that a lot of us make is that we, we wait until we have some sort of a cataclysmic event in our lives, which is, you know, either a death in the family or a near death experience of our own or, um, or divorce or something else that's tragic. We wait until something like that happens before we decide that we need to have a better balance in our lives. And myself included, I'm no exception to that, right? I mean, if you read some of my posts and you heard some of my podcasts, you know that, you know, three years ago, you know, um, my wife left me and we separated. And, and then I went through various different startups that didn't pan out and my world just completely freaking exploded. And I was really forced to rethink everything, right? But what if I had not had to face that situation? before making those changes? What if I could have proactively made some of those changes and struck a better balance in my life without having to go through all that nasty shit, right? What if I could have done that? And so that's a little bit the point of this channel and the point of this podcast is to kind of like help you guys think through that uh, and help you think about how do you start to confront change and how do you embrace change rather than react to it, right? And so kind of getting back to the story of kind of like the move to Chile, I mean, for me, regardless of whether it was Chile or whether it was somewhere else, I realized that I needed a place where I was going to have a better balance on life and whether and where the people around me were going to be, you know, driven and motivated and ambitious and wanting to do things, but maybe where that wasn't the entire focus of their lives all the time, right? And so that's one of the things that I found here kind of like living in Chile is, yet, yes, people work hard. And actually, if you look at Chile on balance and if you do some research, you'll find that some of the most successful companies in Latin America – Success is defined by market cap, which isn't necessarily the best barometer, granted, but some of the most successful companies financially actually come from Chile. And, and that's been somewhat amazing for me. I mean, it, it's like, you know, rediscovering this country and spending time with people and looking at what this country has been able to achieve as a small country of 17 million people is remarkable, right? It's, it's mind blowing. I mean, if the U.S. could manage to like direct itself and, and manage itself in a way that Chile has, I mean, the country would be arguably much better off than it is economically. It would probably have a much smaller budget deficit. It would probably have a much higher GDP per person. It would probably have some somewhat of a higher degree of, of, uh, of equality, right? I mean, it's been remarkable what this country has been able to achieve, right? And so, um, so you know, for me, kind of like moving here is a rediscovery of all of these things, uh, and the reality is kind of like also kind of making a conscious effort to move to a place where I was going to have a better balance of life, where I was going to be able to use all of the skills, all the things that I've done to, you know, help people here and maybe have a much bigger impact 
than I would have had just as another kind of like transformation coach or motivational speaker in the States where there are already, already many of those kind of people there, right? And, and the, the truth is that kind of like already what I've noticed since I've been here is kind of like, you know, it's amazing already the, the realization of the impact that I can have here. I mean, just in the first two weeks alone, I already had, you know, some job offers. I was already able to sign up a cl- my first Chilean company as a client and start working with them. I had, you know, job offers from multiple startups and, and, and VCs. Uh, and so the change, although it's dramatic and drastic, isn't necessarily as daunting as I thought it would be. Um, one thing also we're sharing about, you know, moving to another country, particularly when you're leaving a place like Silicon Valley or New York or London or even Moscow for that matter, is, you know, um, not only is there a better quality of life potentially in terms of work-life balance, right? You know, people here take vacation, people here work reasonable hours, but, you know, there's also the aspect of kind of like, you know, what, what you earn versus what you spend, right? And just to kind of like give a little bit of a of, of color to that is, you know, um, when I was living in Silicon Valley and, and, you know, I'd, I'd separate it, uh, you know, I was, I was renting, you know, a two bedroom apartment for something like $3,500 a month in Redwood city. Right. And that was before utilities and everything else. So it was like more like 4,000, you know, here in comparison, you can get yourself a three bedroom apartment, you know, with like 1400 square feet, uh, in one of the best areas of the city for $1,400 a month. Right. So a sizable difference. My health insurance, just to give you an idea, at my age, 46, um, I'm paying around like $180 a month here for full health insurance where everything is basically covered nearly 100 percent. And I can access the best hospitals in Chile, which, to be honest, are on par, if not better than a lot of the best hospitals that I've seen in the U.S. Uh, and that comes not just from the two months I've lived here. That comes from 20 years ago, having witnessed the health insurance industry in Chile and how well it works. So, you know, $180 a month versus like whatever I was paying. I think I was paying like six or $700 a month in the States. Massive difference. Um, cost for unlimited data plan on a smartphone here runs about 40 bucks a month. Uh, in the States, kind of all in with my data consumption, I was paying well over 80 the average ride kind of like on, on the city's underground system, which is amazing, by the way, and reaches absolutely all parts of the city, uh, runs you for about a dollar a ride, right? Uh, if you compare that to BART or some other systems, it's significantly cheaper. And then, you know, the other the other uh, thing, which I thought is an interesting data point as well, is, you know, in, in, in South America, a lot of people have, you know, they have nannies, they have maids, they have people who help them take care of their kids or take care of the house and all that stuff. In Silicon Valley, I mean, that kind of stuff was unaffordable. It would cost you two and a half, three thousand, or even more per month to have a nanny or somebody to take care of your kids. Here, what's the cost? $25 a day. Literally, $25 a day. I can have somebody all day here, you know, cleaning the apartment, making food for my kids, ironing my shirts, whatever. I mean, if you think about that, one of the things that stresses us out kind of in the in in, in the first world, right, is that we're trying to do all this stuff. We're trying to be amazing. We're trying to lead amazing careers. We're working our butts off until like from 6 a.m. when we got up in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, uh, managing our kids, our household, everything. And we do that basically without any help, except maybe our parents or relatives if we happen to live in the same city or the same area that they do. But we don't have any other help because we can't afford it, right? Well, guess what? You move to South America or you move to some places in Asia or the Middle East or Africa, all of a sudden you can get help. And when you can get help, you can offload a lot of that kind of stuff that you, you know, don't really want to spend time on to somebody else who can help you with that, right? And what does that mean? Well, it means that you free up time to do other valuable things. It means that, like, 
I don't necessarily have to spend time cooking for my kids. I can actually spend time playing with them while somebody else cooks dinner, right? I can actually go to the park while somebody else is cleaning their clothes, right? Or doing their room or whatever. Uh, and so all of a sudden having that kind of help is kind of like a massive, massive change, right? It's, it's really life-changing in that sense. So, you know, naturally, I mean, there are trade-offs, right? I'm not saying that Chile is the greatest place on earth, and I'm not saying that everything is wonderful here. I mean, definitely the country and the economy and society have their challenges. Uh, salaries obviously are, are naturally lower than they would be if you're working in the Valley, for example. You're not, you're not going to earn, you know, $80,000 a year as a, as a recent graduate, you know, working as a software engineer, right? As a matter of fact, I think the average salaries for a software engineer here, I think, are something like $27,000 a month. Uh, a year, sorry. But, you know, again, the cost of living is so much lower that it makes it so much more accessible. When I look at like, you know, um, you know, people running, you know, multinationals and companies here, they still make between two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, which when you look at the cost of living again, the trade off is not that big in terms of the salary drop because the cost of living is so much cheaper. Right. So that gives you an idea of the trade off about, you know, living in a country like Chile versus living uh, in Silicon Valley. And by the way, you know, Chile actually is the most expensive place to live in Latin America. If you go and you live in like Bogota or if you live in Mexico City or if you live in Lima, um, it's actually much cheaper than living in Santiago, which is considered the most expensive city in Latin America. So, you know, just the, there is a trade off. Right. Um, and basically you get a lot more bang for the buck or for the peso in this case. So that's made it worth it. And, you know, when I look at my household budget, I literally spend half of what I spend in the States. Do I make less money? Yes. But I also have like much lower cost base, right? So how am I making things work? Because obviously, you know, the risk whenever you, you move to a new country uh, and, a new con and, and, and you have a new language, a new culture, and you have to make new friends and you have to, you know, basically up level your life and change everything. That's really, really daunting, right? And so I wanted to share with you guys kind of like what's worked for me and some of the tools and things that I've used to kind of adapt. Now, has the adaptation been perfect? No. I mean, are there things that I still miss in the U.S.? Yes. Do I miss my friends? Yes, I miss my friends enormously, right? Do I miss, you know, my network in the Valley? Yeah, sometimes I miss my network in the Valley. Um, but you can rebuild a lot of those things and you can make new friends and you can build a new network, right? It just takes time, right? And the reality is, as someone once said, you know, time solves all problems, right? Um, so, you know, the first thing I do, I've done, which, you know, I, I live by kind of like religiously is, is get into a routine, right? It's really plan your days, you know, Wednesdays, which is the day that I'm doing this podcast right now, Wednesdays are my content days, right? So in the mornings, I usually work from 9 a.m. to 12.30, you know, doing content. And that's podcasts, and that's blog posts, and that's kind of editing things and distribution. But more importantly, it's like I plan my mornings in the most powerful way possible. And some of you guys who have listened to my uh, other podcasts and blog posts will know, you know, that my mornings start at 5.30 a.m., right? I get up at 5.30 a.m. I do 20 minutes of meditation. By 6 a.m., I'm on my bike uh, I do about 10 miles of, of cycling out in, out in the cold. Um, and then I have a freezing cold shower after that. Right. And then, you know, I have a healthy breakfast, but the point is kind of like when you have this balance between, you know, getting enough sleep, um, working hard, but getting things done, eating well, exercising and a high enough level of nutrition, it all really affects your mood. And, you know, as Tony Robbins talks about all the time, kind of like mental state is what it's all about. And nowhere is that more important than when you change countries 
or you or you make a significant change in your life, whether that's kind of you know changing jobs or changing cities or changing partners or whatever. When you're making massive change like that, your state of mind and the way you look at the world and your ability to stay optimistic and positive has a huge effect on what you can achieve and kind of like where your life goes, right? So getting into routine and sticking to that works wonders. In the evenings, I have another routine, which is, you know, starting at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. Generally, what I do is, you know, I get off the computer, I get off my devices, I put on kind of like smooth music. I do some reading um, before going to bed and I try and kind of like learn some things. I listen kind of like, I might listen to, you know, a podcast or I might kind of like listen to an audio book. Uh, and then, you know, by about 10 PM, I take a warm shower and I have kind of like, you know, meditation music going on and then I get to sleep, um, you know, with positive meditation. And that kind of allows me to have a good night's sleep. Right. So again, that evening routine is almost as important as the morning routine. Why is that? Well, because the evening is the beginning of your next day, right? And most people will think about it that way. But if you think about it, your day starts when the previous day ends, right? Your ability to kind of like set the tone for the next day is a function of how well you close that day, right? If you close your day at like midnight and you're all exhausted and you're tired and you've been on the laptop for the last two hours and you're like pissed off or frustrated or anxious because of something that you did or didn't get done, you're going to take that with you to sleep, right? And then you're going to sleep on that for the next eight hours. And then you're probably going to wake up stressed out again. And if you don't need to do any sports and you don't do any meditation the next morning, you're going to wake up tired and you're going to wake up frustrated and you're still thinking about all the crap that you were thinking about the night before. So your evening routine, I would say, is as important as your morning routine. But having a routine is the number one thing that's worked for me uh, through through kind of like making it through this change. Um, next is kind of an obvious one, but finding a permanent place to live as soon as you can is key. At least it's key for me. And, you know, the first six weeks that I was in Chile, I was living basically out of Airbnb. And I was just like crazy looking aggressively for places to live. Uh, and I spent a lot of time just kind of like with real estate agents and every weekend looking at places. But, you know, the sooner you have a place to call home where you have like your space and your stuff and your music and your own furniture uh, and just a place that's yours, um, the sooner you're going to have a place that's kind of like your sanctuary where you can get back and you can disconnect and you can feel at home there. So that's something that's always been important to me. But like having that home, having that base uh, has been something that's key for me. And I noticed kind of like a sizable change once I got my place and I moved in, which is what you can see kind of like here in the background. Right. Um, the third I've talked about this ad nauseum. Right. And I have a post that talks about this, too. Um, exercise is key. Right. And I talked about my morning routine. I mean, I do a lot of exercise, right? So I'm biking 10 miles a day uh, on weekends. Generally, you know, I'll go for a bike ride on a single day of like 30, 40, 50 miles, you know, with people that I've met. Uh, I'm walking every day. I made one huge life change, which I didn't think I would ever make. And for those of you who are listening to this in the States or in some other European city, you probably think I'm nuts. Um, I decided not to buy a car. I was like, F that, no more car for me. Santiago's like, you know, a big city, 6 million plus people. Traffic is crazy here. Um, I live downtown. Like I live in one of the nicest areas of town, but it's actually in the city. So it's not out in the burbs somewhere. Uh, thank God. And so I thought to myself, I was like, why do I need a car? I was like, I don't really need a car. I mean, the only time I could really say that I needed a car was when I was picking up my kids from school or, you know, when I was, um, when I was taking them somewhere and I figured, well, look, if I pick them up from school, I can use Uber. 
And if I can take them somewhere for the weekend, well, you know, I can use the metro or if we're going out of town, I could just rent a car. So that's what I decided to do. I basically, I walk everywhere. I use public transportation. Um, you know, there's Uber everywhere, uh, although they don't operate legally, but hey. And then on top of that, you know, there's there's Mobike and there's Lime, right? So I, I can either rent a bike whenever I want to, or I can rent a scooter from, you know, my friends at Lime, which kind of gets me from A to B super, super quickly. And for like a thousand pesos, which is like two bucks. So, you know, I made a decision not to do that. And the, the net net of that is not only am I doing my exercise every day, not only, not only am I doing my exercise every weekend, but I'm also walking a ton. So guess what? Like I have tons of energy. I feel positive because I'm moving around. I'm, I'm you know, doing exercise all day long. And when you're in an environment making a lot of change, like changing countries, and that has a high degree of stress on you. Well, what do you need? Well, you need exercise. You need a way to get all those toxins out. You need a way to kind of like manage that stress. And so exercise has been key for me from that perspective, right? Um, the fourth tip for me is kind of like, you know, a tip that, that's key whenever you move uh, environments is you need to get social fast, right? And the beauty of it is, although I've made, you know, 11, 11 moves, the last time I moved like I had a significant move was in 2008, right? So technology has changed a lot since then. Um, and one of the things that's cool now is, of course, you know, between like TripAdvisor um, and, you know, all the different apps and sites that you have, there are a lot of sites and, and mobile apps that can make changing countries or cities so much easier because you can find out what are the best bars to go to. You can find out about festivals. You can find out about events. You can find out about movies, you can sign up to things like internations.com, which is a website that's specialized for expats that are changing countries or, or, or cities. Uh, you can sign up with, you know, the alumni association. Uh, you know, if you're if you're an alumnus of a university and they happen to have a chapter in the new city or country where you're living, you can sign up to that and you can instantly get plugged into the events that they're doing. Um, you can also sign up and register for your local consulate or embassy or join a Facebook group centered around the kind of activities that you like doing. So, the point is kind of like the faster you get out and start meeting people, um, the more at home you're going to feel, right? I think the worst thing you can do is kind of spend too much time on your own and kind of like just be alone all the time and not really make an effort to get integrated, right? And so for me, you know, obviously as a, as a graduate of, of INSEAD, the business school, the first thing I did was, you know, I got plugged into my business school network here and automatically I was, I was starting to get invited to events you know, from my business school. And, you know, I, I went to one a couple of weeks ago with the ex uh, minister of the economy for Chile, which was really interesting. And then, you know, I'm going to like a Christmas party on the 15th. And then I signed up to internations and I go to their events every week. So I'm meeting new people all the time. Uh, and one of the friends that I made was just was somebody actually that I met through that website at an event, actually. So, you know, getting social really quickly and getting involved into the activities that are happening in a new city and starting to just meet people that you can call or text or hang out with, that's key, right? And one of the things that I do, which is really helpful, and like I'm a maniac with this, and that's just me, every single person I meet or hang out with, I always ask them for one or two intros, right? It's like, you know, if you have a good meeting or lunch or coffee with somebody and there's a good groove going on, a good dynamic, it's always kind of like, well, you know, are there one or two people that you think I should meet that could be really interesting or that, you know, might have an opinion about this or other or, you know, one or two people that potentially might help me out, you know, to get better connected or, you know, to find a job or whatever it is. And the reality is if you ask, most people will help you. Right. I, I mean, basically, I cannot think of a person that I have asked for intros 
who has not given me at least one or two intros. And guess what? The network is exponential, right? So the more people you get intros to, the more people you're going to meet and the greater the likelihood that you are going to find either a good friend, a partner, a business partner, your next employer or your next boss, right? It's like all these people potentially can help you in many different ways. And, you know, who knows? You might also be able to help them in, in many different ways too, right? I mean, for me, like I had some guy who reached out to me just to give you guys a quick story on this, this is a pretty funny story. I, uh, I was looking at, okay, who are the main venture capitalists in Chile, right? There's got to be some. And so I came across this guy called Nathan Lustig, who is a partner at Magma Ventures here. And I just, you know, I read a post of his on VentureBeat about Chile and, you know, a growing entrepreneurial movement in Chile. So I reached out to him over email and I got connected over LinkedIn. And I said, hey, you know, I used to work in the Valley. I worked at Google for a while. I worked at, uh, I did a number of startups with a bunch of people. Uh, you know, is there any way that I could help your portfolio companies? And so, you know, he made, you know, he circulated my details with his portfolio companies. And one of his companies who's actually a Canadian entrepreneur, a really smart guy. He basically reached out to me. He read one of my posts. He read the last post that I wrote on Hasta La Vista, Silicon Valley. And he reached out to me just to kind of like grab coffee and stuff. And, and I started to get connected with him. And, you know, the next thing we knew, um, he was asking me if potentially I could coach him. Right. So, all these things kind of happen for a reason. But again, if I hadn't reached out to Nathan and if I hadn't gotten the introduction to this other guy, um, there wouldn't have been that possibility to potentially to work together and to help him, uh, you know, with with, you know, his 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 life decisions and his career decisions. So the more people you reach out to and the more people that you ask to give you intros, um, not only can those people help you, but you can potentially help them. Right. So getting social. Absolutely key. Uh, you know, fifth, obviously, in the last in the last tip that I'll give in terms of, you know, moving countries and stuff is like really, you know, really immerse yourself in the local culture of whatever city or country you're moving to. I mean, one of the best quotes that I heard lately was, you know, our lives are not shaped by the things that we buy. Our lives are shaped by the experiences that we live. Um, and nowhere is that more true than when you switch countries or switch cities, right? It's all about experiences. And so for me, whether it's like it's getting on a tourist bus and going around Santiago and getting to know the city, or it's, you know, biking 30 kilometers over the mountains, over the Andes mountains, and kind of like down into Chicureo, which is another part of the city on the other side of the mountains, all these things are experiences, right? So to the extent that you can immerse yourself, uh, into new experiences in the place where you live, that's huge. And again, you know, the benefits of technology today offer us things that, you know, for the last 20 or so years were, were not available before, at least when I was moving. Right now, for example, you know, I, if I want to just check out things, I can go to, you know, TripAdvisor and I can look at, okay, what are the top 10 things to do in Santiago? What are the top 10 things to do in Viña del Mar? You know, what are, what are kind of like the top 10 museums to visit or festivals or whatever, right? There's sites like Culture Trip. Uh, which is pretty cool as well, which offer you a different perspective more into the actual culture and nightlife of a place, right? And I, I took a lot of tips from Culture Trip as well, you know, and I found there were areas of the city that were really cool that I was not very familiar with, like Barrio La Stadia um, and Barrio Bella Vista, right? Which are areas of the city that I wasn't that familiar with last time I lived here. But by going there and spending some time, you experience different parts of the city that you didn't know. Right. Barrio La Estadia is very cool because it's very bohemian. It's more old school. The architecture and everything is different. People are kind of like much more 
I don't know, mainstream kind of like hippie-ish and stuff. And it's just a very cool area of the city that I wasn't really familiar with. So immersing yourself into the local culture and the scenery and getting to appreciate all that and seeing kind of things that you've never seen before, I think is also a really good way to get acclimatized to your new surroundings, right? So anyway, so those are the tips, right? Quick recap, get into a routine, uh, find a permanent place as soon as possible, exercise, get social real fast and immerse yourself locally in the culture that you're in, right? I think with those five things, um, you will already find that changing cities uh, is not as daunting as it seems, right? But the important thing is kind of like make a decision to make that change, take a lot of action, right? And, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast in the past. I've taken a lot of inspiration from, you know, Tony Robbins and uh, guys like that, you know, who are not just great motivational speakers, but give a lot of practical tips and advice and life lessons about how to confront these big changes, right? So the key is to make that decision, which is sometimes seems like the hardest thing, but the hardest thing really isn't making the decision. Making the decision is actually pretty easy. The hardest thing is actually taking action once you've made that decision. And once you've reached that new city or that new country, really getting into yourself, into that routine and, you know, putting together kind of like checklists of the kind of tasks that you're going to do and taking big action to get acclimatized, meet people, get your place, get settled, do exercise, get into your routine, that kind of stuff is going to make moving to any city or any country so much more manageable than you think. And the reality, guys, is take it from me, take it from Mad Mork. It's not that hard. People do this kind of stuff every day. People change countries every day. People change cities every day. Yes, it seems like terrifying, but you would actually be surprised to know what you can do until you get out and you try so that said, how am I doing? Oof. All right. Well, this guy talks a good game, but is it really all that easy? Um, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, there are some days where it's rough. There are some days where, you know, it's a Friday night and I look around and I'm like, shit, you know, I mean, like all my friends are in the States, you know, right now I could call somebody and go out for drinks and I don't know anybody here. Right. And so I have to make an effort or, you know, maybe I go out one night where like I go out by myself and I don't know anybody and I got to make other I got to make friends as I go out. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there are days where sure I miss the valley. Sure. I miss my friends. Sure. I miss my network. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy with the change. And has it been easy? No, it hasn't been easy. And, you know, it's there are ways to manage that. I mean, for me, one of the things that I do is I track my mood. Right. And I track track my progress. As some of you guys know, um, Every morning, one of the first things I do after my bike ride and my my shower and all that, my cold shower and all that stuff is, you know, I spend some time journaling. I typically spend 20 to 30 minutes just writing, right? And and on most mornings, to be honest, I'm pretty jazzed. I'm pretty energized. I'm pretty positive, right? I mean, I have new and exciting things to look forward to uh, and, and things to be grateful for, right? I mean, even the smallest things matter, right? And I think this is one of the things that's key you know, to, to being content and being happy is like showing gratitude and expressing thanks for the small things that we have. And some of those things may seem ridiculously small, right? Opening a bank account in Chile, to those of you guys listening to this, you may be like, big freaking deal. You opened a bank account. And it's like, well, yeah, but actually when you do that in a foreign country like Chile, where it potentially can take six months for you to open a bank account because there's all these different bureaucratic hurdles that you have to go to, it's actually is a big deal because without a bank account, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't do here. Right. 
Um, finding a place is actually a big deal because the way that, you know, the society operates here is people are fairly conservative and fairly risk averse. So guess what? Renting an apartment to a guy who comes from a different country and doesn't have a job, formally speaking. Um, yeah, that's a risk that a lot of landlords are not willing to take. So when I got my place, I was like, clap, clap, celebrate, right? I got a place now. It's cool. And I got this guy to trust me that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to pay my rent on time and I'm going to be a good tenant. Right. So every day kind of like is bringing new challenges and experiences, but every day is also bringing uh, new reasons to give thanks. Right. And so as much as sometimes it's a struggle, you know, whether I open a bank account or I get a place or I meet new friends or, you know, I, I make a new connection somewhere from a business point of view or I sign a client, all these things are good. So generally the way I measure it is on balance, am I, happier or less every single day. And on balance, I have to easily say that I'm typically have been much happier than I have in, in the past. So it seems like it's working well. One of the key things is um, setting yourself weekly and daily goals. And, and that's really hard for most people. But the reality is, uh, as somebody once said, you know, people who don't set goals work for people who do, right? And, and that's absolutely true. And so you have to be able to set yourself daily and weekly goals, particularly when you move countries. Because whether it's like, hey, this week I'm going to get a bank account or this week I'm going to get internet set up in my place or this week I'm going to meet, you know, five new people a day or whatever it is to the extent that you can actually get those things done and you can check those off uh, and make progress on them, that builds confidence. And, you know, we'll talk about confidence later because I actually I'm planning to do an entirely separate podcast on confidence and how you build confidence, because I think that's an important part of being able to face change, which is the big theme that I'm going to be talking about over the next year or so is the theme around change and, and how you face change. So, you know, the reality is kind of like, as I've set these goals and, and achieved a number of them, certainly not all of them, my confidence has grown. And so my ability to deal with people and circumstances uh, gets, you know, um, enriched and is easier. It's easier for me to deal with those situations and it's easier for me to deal with some of the obstacles that I face. So, you know, in the end, the reality is that all of us have challenges. And the truth is that also all of us live within a comfort zone. Uh, and kind of like we are trained and society trains us, kind of like the goal is to be comfortable and safe. But the reality is that's not how you live the most fulfilling and rewarding life that you can. The people that live the most rewarding and fulfilling life that they can are the people that embrace change and are willing to step out of their comfort zones. And uh, certainly for me, moving 8,000 miles away, changing cultures, working and living in a new language, having a new place, making new friends, making this career change, it's a monumental change. And it's going to take years. I mean, I have no illusions that this is all going to like happen in the first year. It's going to take a couple of years for me to get into the, the vibe of things. But Stepping out of the comfort zone and facing your fears is key to becoming a better human being. And it's key to basically living up to the potential that each and every one of us has. And so the key is to take that first step, right? It's, um, you know, the key to getting started is to take the first step, right? As Mark Twain always said. So, you know, what I encourage you guys to think on is to think about these things and to think about what you really want to do with your lives to make that decision. But more importantly, to have the courage to step out of your comfort zone and to take that first step. And, you know, um, once you take that first step and you get that momentum, every step that you take becomes a little bit easier, right? So my advice to you is 
if you've been thinking of getting out of the Valley or getting out of New York or getting out of London, wherever it is that you happen to live, if you feel that you really need to make that change, and if you feel that there are better things ahead of you and that you really don't want to be stuck in the past, make that decision, make it happen, right? Once you take that first step, even if it's something as simple as, you know, going onto Google Maps and looking at different cities around your state or where you live or your country and starting to re do research on a different country or a different city where you could potentially live, that's the first step to getting started, right? And that key is to get started. And you think about it, what do you have to lose? I mean, in my case, I thought to myself that a lot. I thought, okay, if I move to Chile and it doesn't work out, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the absolute worst that could happen would be Chile doesn't work out and I have to move back to the States and get a job, right? Okay, that's the worst that could happen. And I might lose a couple of years here trying, but I'll come out the, you know, the better and richer for the experience of having tried it and maybe not having succeeded. And as I've always talked about in the past is, you know, there is no such thing as failure. There's only learning. So even if you move to that different city, even if you move to that different country, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is it doesn't quite work out the way you wanted it to. And you learn a shitload from that. And the next time that you have to make that change, you're going to have so much more self-confidence because you've done it before and you've learned the lessons and you're going to learn the things that didn't work out and the things that are going to make it work out the next time. So with that, go out and stretch yourself. This is Mad Mork signing off from Chilicon Valley. Peace.